Ladies and gentlemen, Round the Horn presents a tribute to J. Peasmold Gruntfuttock. With the passing of J. Peasmold Gruntfuttock, an era came to an end. War correspondent, great statesman, newspaper proprietor, first lady prime minister of Ghana, <laughs> amateur chicken sexer, heavyweight champion of the world, pogo stick greaser by appointment, <laughs> confidant of Queen Victoria, Miss World and the Archbishop of Canterbury. <laughs> Grunfuttock was none of these things. <laughs> it had not been an exaggeration to say that Grunfuttock was the greatest living Englishman. It would be a pathetic, maudlin lie. <laughs> On that fateful day, messages came from all over the world expressing what everyone felt about Gruntfuttock. Here in South Africa, when we heard the news, we felt a profound sense of, how shall I put it, indifference. <laughs> based largely on the fact that we had never heard of him. <laughs> Peking, too, reacted to the news. Hasa, fasa, also focho, glanfatak. Hasa, glanfatak, old flan. Afong, so called etc. And demanded for medical apart. <laughs> Yes, the world was stunned, but when did the Gruntfuttock saga start? Well, let's retrace our footsteps to the spring of 1889, when at number 23, the dwellings, Catamole Street, the home of Lillian and Mostyn Gruntfuttock, something occurred which was to have far-reaching effects. Dr. Postule was preparing for a happy event. Uh, I'll need the water. Lots and lots of hot water. Uh, this is an event I've been preparing for for months. Uh, an event that'll make the whole of Catamal Street rejoice. Bring me lots and lots of hot water. I'm going to have a bath. <laughs> Doctor said I could come in now, Lillian. Where's my son? Here. Oh, what do you think of him? Ah, Diddums. Oh, he's not quite what I expected. Certainly chubby, but his ears stick out a bit, don't they? It's funny, but he don't look like either of us. Not really, Mostyn. You got hold of the old water bottle. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering what that loop on the bottom was. Mustin, <laughs> the baby's here beside me. Ah, 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 ah. 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 a pretty little thing. <laughs> Just like his daddy. Yeah, he's always got your eyes. Your nose. Oh, look, look, he's got your teeth. Oh, let him play with them, I've got another. <laughs> he's like you, Mostyn, he's like you, down to the smallest detail. <laughs> May I pick him up? Yes, yes, but be careful, be careful. Please be careful, Mostyn. Oh, he's awfully weeny. Come along, sonny. Daddy's going to dandle you. 
There's a little baby one that did a tickly tap tap in. You do not give you one, mate. <laughs> really? Now rage for me to play a baby. This dialogue, glug, 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 guggle, guggle. That took a lot of thinking up, that did, didn't it? It's not fitting for an artist of my calibre. Me, man who's appeared on the West End stage, ducky. I was second water vowel in the wind of the willows. Wind in the willows. Yes. The wind in the willows, I oh, yes. yeah. Is oh. he bringing the wind up again? Yes. <laughs> well, pat him on the popo, somebody, and let's get on with this grim Farago Smith. Sir. Our tail unfurled. Well, tuck it in your trousers and get on. <laughs> so young peacebold Grandfather entered the world with a silver spoon in his mouth and a nickel-plated fork up his nose. <laughs> Clumsy midwife, you see. <laughs> Soon he began his school days. His housemaster, kindly old Dr. Gould's creature, remembers him well. Ah, yes, I remember him well. This young Grandfather it was a bright lad, advanced for his years. While the other boys were at fives, he was at sixes and sevens. <laughs> My wife befriended him. Many, many times. <laughs> he was expelled shortly afterwards. And at the tender age of 43 went into politics. But let his son, Loomis, grandfather, take up the story. Now, uh, Loomis, as a child, uh, you didn't really know your father, did you? No, not as a child, no. He was 27 when I first remember him. <laughs> but even then, he was a public figure, and although Mum and me never saw much of him at home, we often read of his activities in the paper. Yes, yes. Yes, the even paper. In the paper, the yes, paper, yes. 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 Even in 1910, he was making headlines. Read all about it, Home Secretary quizzed in Chelmsford, peeping Tom case. Oh, your father was the Home Secretary. No, he was the Chelms for Peeping Tom. <laughs> he also figured in the nude cyclist and mirror on a stick case, which, which very, ne <laughs> very nearly put paid for his political career. I see. He actually entered Parliament by then. Yes, by a window in the gents' washroom. <laughs> inadvertently left open by Lord Asquith. He made off with a war sack, a bust of Gladstone and two groves of paper towels, best quality stamped out of Lords on every sheet. <laughs> and he was caught and remanded for a medical report, but by then the love of politics was in his blood. And at the general election of 1912, he stood as independent candidate for Stepney, advocating home rule for Cable Street, coupled with a better, fuller life through Dr. Loombogle's bland elixir and lightning horse purge, of which he was a lifelong user owing to the high alcohol content when strained through a sock. <laughs> but as it turned out, Grandfather lost his deposit, among other things. He nonetheless kept in close touch with the leading figures of the day, writing to them frequently. Dear, dear Mrs. Pankhurst, forgive me writing you like this. We've never met formally, but you may remember me. I was the man in the raincoat standing behind you in the tram queue last, last Tuesday, breathing heavy. <laughs> I'm a great admirer of yours. Good luck with your cause. P.S. Could you please send me a photo of your good self? Preferably in the bath. <laughs> and here with me now is the woman who was Grandfather's lifelong companion, and in later years, his wife. <laughs> Dame Bella Goatcabin. 
Pete Mould was a man of great visions. He saw more clearly than any of his contemporaries the political scene, the world situation. He also saw snakes coming through the wall. <laughs> Repeatedly warned His Majesty, as the Queen was then. <laughs> but, but, Grant Patrick's warnings went unheeded. And so he became a fervent Republican and slept in the bath. <laughs> but meanwhile, Europe wasn't sleeping. Now, uh, Loomis, I believe your father was the first man to prophesy the Holocaust that was soon to come. Yes, I remember it well. It was in the summer of 1914. He called me into his study and, fixing me with that piercing stare of his, he said in a voice charged with barely controlled emotion, Son, he said, never wear celluloid collars. They're a fire hazard. <laughs> but meanwhile, storm clouds were gathering over Europe and on August the 4th, 1914... Grant Fussock took up the trumpets. <laughs> and he was not to put it down for four long, weary years. Yes. Yes, the year was 1914, and the whole world was singing It's a Long Way to Tipperary. Just as well, really, as it drowned the Fraser Hayes Four. But here they are in the interest of history to recreate World War I in song. <laughs> It's a long way to Tipperary, it's a long way to go. Oh, we don't want to lose you, that we think you ought to go. For your king and your country, this need you so. We shall want you and miss you, but with all our might and main. We shall cheer you, thank you, kiss you. Sister Susie's sewing shirt for soldiers. Just skill at sewing shirts are shy, young sister Susie's shirt. Some soldiers send the pistol, say they're soon asleep in special. Then a saucy soft shirt for soldiers, sister Susie's shirt. Yes, a saucy soft shirt for soldiers, sister Susie's shirt. Give me your smile, your smile, the love light in your eyes. Your eyes are life could not hold a fairer paradise. Give me the right, the right to love you all. The wild. My world forever. The sunshine of your smile. What a rotten song! What a rotten song! What a rotten song! Oh, my! What a rotten song! Oh, 
Robinson Crusoe, he led a life of misery. There on the island, he knew not what to do. One night, whilst he was making up the bed, he turned to poor old Mr. Friday and he said, Oh, when there isn't a girl about, you do feel lonely. When there isn't a girl about, you're on your only. You're absolutely on the shelf. Don't know what to do with yourself when there isn't a girl. Grunt Futtuk Saga, part two. In 1917, the Middle East was in a state of turmoil. The Turks had pinned the Australians in the Dardanelles, and only one... <laughs> and only one man could cut the Gordian knot. Unfortunately, it was his day off. So they sent for Grunt Futtuk. But let Sheikh Ali Ben-Gurion take up the story. Grandfather was a keen student of Arab affairs, and he had many picture postcards to prove it. <laughs> so it was with eager eyes we scanned the desert that fateful morning as a lone figure rode towards our camp over the shimmering sands. Look, Father, there he is astride a fine thoroughbred Arab bicycle. It must be he. Ooh, Grandfather of Arabia! <laughs> For it was he dismounted and pausing only to remove his bicycle clips, genuflected in front of the Arab leader. I believe it's a, it's a sign of uh, respect, I believe. Welcome, Grand Fatak Effendi. May the sun rise in your eyes and set in your nose. May your tents be filled with a tinkle of laughter and may your goats be as numerous as the hairs in your ears. And may your concubines bring much joy and may cobbler spasm win the 3.30 at Newmarket. <laughs> you, mate. I have come to live among you and learn your ways and camp with you. We are poor people, but all I have is yours. My sheep, my camel, my daughter Fatima. I will summon her. Oi, Fatty! You're on! Enter Betty Marsden with a jewel in her navel. And a PVC yashmak, which she wears to keep the rain off her yash. See, she comes. 
Her cymbals tinkling, her banjos thrumming. Greetings, Fendi. Am I not beautiful? Am I not shapely? Am I not desirable? Am I not the only woman for 300 miles? <laughs> well, I'll take her wrapper up. I will serve you well, little Englishman. I shall wait on you hand and foot. What about the rest of me? <laughs> You'll have to get starping. I've only got one pair of hands. <laughs> Come. Your nuptial Bedouin awaits. And tomorrow we'll ride against the Turks, and your Grand Fatak of Arabia shall lead us. The next day, the Arabs swept down on the Turkish garrison of Rabat al Koum with Grand Fatak in the van. And when the battle was over, he got out of the van <laughs> and led his victorious troops back to the oasis. Soon he was to become a legend, and his name became a household word among the Arabs. Plumber, the Grand Fatak is blocked. <laughs> Don't you dare do that in there, Abdul. Use the grunt fatak. It take this tablets three times a day, Mrs. Faisal Mohammed. I'm afraid you've got a touch of the grunt fatak's again. But grunt fatak overreached himself, and in the spring of 1918, he was captured by the Turks and hauled roughly by his burnous in front of the Turkish commander Abdul the Loathsome. Played by me in baggy trousers and a paper fez left over from Christmas. Oh, help us! Oh. 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 So, Grand Fatig of Arabia, we meet at last. Now, yes. tell me the disposition of your troops. Well, quite sunny, really. They have their moods. They have their moods like everyone else. Now, don't joke with me, dog of an unbeliever. I shall summon my torturer. Oh. Ataturk, the little butcher of Ankara. Oh. Ataturk! Yes, Mata, what do you want? Hmm? <laughs> I'm the little butcher. Well... <laughs> Yeah, well, you might try and be a little butcher than that, if you will. <laughs> All right, now torture him. Yes, well, I have to look it up in my little book. Right. A thousand and one things a Turk can do with a red hot poker. <laughs> and other torturers. Hmm. Oh, no, I can't do that. <laughs> I don't know how to do that. Well, now, how about the Chinese water torture? Oh, can't do that. We haven't got any Chinese water. No. <laughs> don't you know any other tortures? Whatever you do, I shall never talk. How oh, won't you? No. <laughs> well, how do you like that? No. No, how do you like that? No. No, how do you like that? Well, I think I prefer this to that. <laughs> Oh, well, I've had that before. <laughs> Many times. <laughs> I'll tell you, tell you what, I'll mull it over and let you know. What they did to Grunt Futtock, we shall never know, but soon the word spread, Grunt Futtock's cracked. And in the spring of 1919, he returned to England his reputation in tatters, not to mention his trousers. His trousers? I told you not to mention his trousers. <laughs> and barely 20 years later, England was once again plunged into war. After the fall of France, Britain stood alone. The only thing between us and Germany was an old card on the bridge of a destroyer at Elstree. <laughs> While plucky John Mills stuck it out bravely on a raft in the studio tank. But then, in December 1941, came an event that horrified the entire civilised world. They revived Chuchin Chow in Ipswich. <laughs> but at home we were beginning to feel the pinch. Oh, there you are, 
Charles. Yes. Here I am. I came. I came as soon as I got your note. Uh, come sit here beside me. Uh, how lovely Hyde Park is in summer. It's as if the war was a million miles away. Uh, and yet somehow terribly close. And yet a million miles away. And yet very close. <laughs> and yet a million miles away. Yeah. We don't let's pick her. There's so little time. So little time, Charles. And there's so much to say in so little time. And yet an eternity because there's nothing to say. Nothing. Nothing, Charles. Nothing. And yet there's so much. I wish you'd make up your mind. Do you like it? <laughs> My uniform, that is. You know I like it. Your uniform, that is. But Charles, Charles, you've got a stick. Yes, sure. <laughs> I'd hoped you wouldn't notice it. I shall always have to use a stick now. Oh, why will you have to use a stick? Can't you see? By my uniform. Charles, you're... Say it. A park keeper. Yeah. Still, it keeps me out of the forces. <laughs> Meanwhile, what of Grundfuttock? Who? we're doing his life. Uh, uh, oh, I can't be doing with that voice. It's a terrible strain on the uvula. It goes all muckled. And, and then I don't do my best on International Cabaret. Saturday night's BBC 2. So don't forget to make a date with International Cabaret featuring International Cabaret stars from as far away as Stoke-on-Trent and New Brighton. Yes. <laughs> yeah, look, may we get on? Oh, come on, stuck you, don't it, me? Stop you. <laughs> Me for living. Yes. Sorry, I'm yes. sure. Thank you. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the Grundfuttock, what of Grundfuttock's political career? His lifelong confidant, Rear Admiral Monty Figgis, takes up the story. Now, Monty, I, I, I believe Grundfuttock wrote to the King offering to form a coalition government. Uh, yes, that is right. That is quite right. Uh, suggesting himself as Prime Minister and saying, well, he knew where he could lay his hands on a quantity of corned beef. His Majesty did not reply to his postcard. <laughs> he, a grandfather of Gladys, always believed that this was because Lord Halifax had put the spoke in, or that his Majesty already had enough corned beef to see him through. Yes. <laughs> Oh, be that as it may, Grunfuttock worked ceaselessly for what he conceived to be the common good, advocating at all times unconditional surrender. Yeah, for us, not them. Uh, with the coming of peace, my father retired to his country seat, Checkers, or 13 Pildown Road, Footscray, as the council liked to call it. Uh, he was to appear but infrequently in public after that. From time to time, he figured in the headlines. Footscray nude cyclist strikes again. Said he came to read meter, sobs a Sidcup housewife. 
And after this, he tried to avoid publicity as far as possible and concentrated on writing his memoirs. In the search for the essential Grundfuttock, I paid a visit to his publishers. The sign on the door said, Boner Press. So I pressed and entered. Hello, anybody there? Oh, hello, I'm Julian. This is my friend Sandy. Hello, yes. Nice We are your actual boner press. We specialise in autobiographies. Yes. Autobiographies, yes. We publish all sorts of books. I mean, all your classics, Mm. like, for instance, An Omi for All Seasons. Mm. Lovely. (laughs) Uncle Tom's Lattie. Beautiful. Mm. Little Polones. That is your actual little women. Mm. And there's your Avada back in anger and a troll in the sun. Mm. Yes, I'm sure they are, but no contemporary works. Oh, yes, we do. Yes, we do. We do the modern novel. You will write for yourself. Would you like to hear a bit from his latest book? No, thank you. No? Oh, it's only the proof form, so you'll have to excuse the odd uh, typographical error. Yes. It's a novel of burgeoning romance on the sand dances at Westcliff. Yes, it's on sand dunes. 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 Typographical error. Go on, Jewel. Read a bit. Read a bit. Yes, all right. Go on. Chap one. Chap one. Melissa stood on the cloth tip... A sintan lally's brawn all over. That should, that should be brown. Brown. Oh, yes, brown. Oh, oh that typographer. I don't yes. know why we keep him on. Go on, Jewel. Just read it as it is. Yeah. <laughs> Dirk strode towards her, all butch and dominating. Her smile creased his sensual moth. Mouth. Mouth. <laughs> yes. Fancy a drip. Dip, he cried. <laughs> Waving his trowel. Towel! Towel. <laughs> Why knit, she crewed, and dashed down the booch, poodled through the shallows, and was soon riding the giant brokers. He took her... He took her in his arms and cursed her tenderly on the lips. <laughs> and exclamation mark. She's stuffened. <laughs> Then relaxed as Dirk picked her up and gently carried her into his beach hat. <laughs> dot, 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 dot. Dot, 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 dot. That's the end of chap one. Yeah, no. would you like another chap? No, thank you, no. <laughs> now, I really came here to find out about J. Peasmold Gruntsfutter. What? The enigmatic figure whose effect on the modern world can even today be scarcely assessed? Yes. yes. The man whose exploits made him a legend in his own time, known and loved by all people who cherish freedom? Yes, that's the chap. Sorry, Ducky, we never heard of him. <laughs> There my odyssey ended And they don't come in the odyssey, do they? (laughs) Here in the studio now We'd like to pay homage to the mighty Gruntfuttock In an anthem composed specially for the occasion By the Round the Horn Poet Laureate Rambling Sid Rumpo So, please join with us in singing Gruntfuttock, Tis of Thee Omitting verses 7 to 23 <laughs> as they were cut by the producer. <laughs>
Round the Horn, starring Kenneth Horn with Kenneth Williams, Hugh Paddock, Betty Marsden, and Bill Pertwee. On the musical side, you heard the Fraser Hayes Four and Edwin Braden on the Hornblowers. The script was written by Barry Took and Marty Feldman. The show is produced by John Simmons.